Yo, what is going on everyone? My name is Nick or The Notorious Fantasy and in today's video, we'll be going in depth into my week number seven. It's crazy. That's already week seven quarterback and tight end rankings and tiers for the 2023 fantasy football season. But before we could get into things, I would like to ask that if you guys are new to the channel and you do end up enjoying today's video, that you please make sure to hit that subscribe button down below. And while you're down there, whether you are new to the channel or not, please make sure they do leave a like on today's video. It would help me out a ton if you want to follow me on Twitter or X, please do so at NotoriousFNTSY. So without further ado, let's get into my top 24 quarterback and tight end rankings and tiers for the 2023. 23 fantasy football season for week number seven. We begin with the S tier at the quarterback position at number one with Jalen Hurts, quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles, going up against the Miami Dolphins this week at home in Philadelphia. Last week up against the New York Jumbo Jets, but despite the fact that that was a disastrous game for Jalen Hurts, he was still the quarterback two on the week and has been a top nine quarterback over the last five games. This week, he gets a Dolphins defense that is relatively soft in what should be the highest scoring tit-for-tat, rock'em, sock'em, robots matchup of the week. I really think Jalen Hurts is going to be a lock to be a top three quarterback this week, and I think ultimately, when all things are said and done after Monday Night Football, Jalen Hurts will end up as the QB1. At number two, we have the other quarterback in this game, Tua Tungavailoa of the Miami Dolphins, going up against the Philadelphia Eagles in Philadelphia. Quarterback three last week, up against against the Carolina Panthers, quarterback 12, the week prior up against the Giants. I believe that Tua Tagovailoa will be in for this whole entire game last week. They ended up tugging him out like his name was Deshaun Watson towards the end of the game to put Mike White in. I feel like this is going to be a very close, high-scoring game. When you have Tyreek Hill and Jayla Waddle at your disposal, the upside is unlimited, like his name was Russell Wilson. At number three, we got Pat Mahomes going up against the LA Chargers at home in Kansas City. Now, We've been talking about this over the last couple of weeks that Patrick Mahomes has yet to really have that Patrick Mahomes game on the season. Now, has he been shit? Of course not. But he hasn't had that game where he's doing a 360 no scope with the ball, throwing it sidearm, throwing for like 385 yards and three touchdowns. He has yet to do that this season. If there was ever a week to do it, I think it would be a game up against a Chargers team that should be able to keep things close, keep this being a high-scoring game where they don't have to kind of negate throwing the ball late in the game in order to mitigate any type of interception that could occur when they're coasting to a victory. So up against the Chargers this week, I like Mahomes. Again, it is just inevitable at this point that Mahomes is going to have that huge game coming up. To close out the S tier, we got Josh Allen of the No One Circles, the wagons like the Buffalo Bills going up against the New England Patriots in New England. Josh Allen looked like shit last week up against the Giants and that Buffalo Bills offense as a whole definitely looked a little bit limp dick. This week they get the Patriots. Now I am potentially worried that this might be kind of a lingering hangover for the Bills offense. But, and this is a big but, shout out Kim Kardashian, this matchup is a wet dream. Josh Allen absolutely owns the Patriots franchise, and I think Josh Allen is going to go nuclear in this spot. Next up, we move to the A tier with quarterbacks 5 through 8, beginning at number 5 with Geno Smith of the Seattle Seahawks going up against the Arizona Cardinals at home in Seattle. Now, I know Geno Smith has not been very consistent this year and really only has one great game on the year. 
But with that said, even through the trials and tribulations of Geno Smith's season, this week he gets the Arizona Cardinals. This week he has one of the easiest, if not the easiest, matchup for a quarterback. I think Geno Smith hops back on the saddle and bounces back this week, regardless of the health of Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. At number six, we got Lamar Jackson going up against the Detroit Lions at home in Baltimore. Now, this matchup definitely scares me. It feels like every single week, the Lions defense just continues to get better. And that scares me for this matchup for Lamar Jackson. But at the end of the day, the rushing upside of Lamar Jackson is so astronomical that even in a tougher matchup, Lamar Jackson is going to be able to potentially negate that with his feet. He hasn't had a huge game since week four, and I think this feels like another game that could be one of the higher scoring games on the week, despite both of these teams. Well, the Lions have a really good defense. The Ravens defense kind of middle of the road. At number seven, we got Justin Herbert, the pervert, going up against the Kansas City Chiefs in Kansas City. Justin Herbert, the pervert, has yet to have a game outside the top 12 at the quarterback position this year. Great for Herbert. He has been the definition of consistency, like wrapping a condom over your team. Continue to roll out Justin Herbert with confidence. And again, this really does feel like one of the higher scoring games on the slate. At number eight, we got BCB Big Cock Brock Purdy of the 49ers going up against the cold like Minnesota Vikings in Minnesota on Monday Night Football. Now I know Brock Purdy was a complete and utter unmitigated disaster last week against the Browns. A flaming pile of dog shit. Now Debo, Christian McCaffrey, they may play, they may not play. But guess what? It doesn't fucking matter when you're going up against the Vikings defense. Brock Purdy again, he was down bad. He was down in the gutter last week. But I expect him to rise again this week up against a not-so-hot Vikings defense. Moving now to the B tier at the quarterback position. These are all still quarterbacks that you feel pretty confident in, in my opinion. At number nine, we got Jordan Love Me Tenda, Love Me Sweet of the Packers going up against the Denver Broncos in Denver. Now, the Packers won a bye week in week six, but the week prior up against the Las Vegas Raiders. I thought Jordan Love was going to take that defense out back, take them to pound town, and it was the exact opposite of what I thought. Jordan Love struggled mightily. Zero touchdowns, three interceptions. Bro was looking like fucking Mac Jones out there. But now he's coming out the bye week, and now he gets the Denver Broncos. Just like with the Cardinals, one of the easiest matchups for a quarterback to have. So even though he struggled mightily against a pretty, I'd say, below mid-tier defense in the Raiders, this reeks of a bounce-back spot for Jordan Love. Plus, before this downward game, he was the quarterback three, 16-6-12. and 12. So one down game... Shouldn't be what sticks in your mind. Like, I know if you had Jordan Love and you lost because of that, you're probably pissed. But try to forget it. You know, like the Men in Black thing where they have the, like, erase thing that they put up to your face and it erases your memory. Erase your memory on that game against the Raiders. This is a bounce-back game up against the Broncos in mile high at number 10. We got the Goffinata. Jared Goff going up against the Baltimore Ravens in Baltimore. Back-to-back weeks as the quarterback number four up against the Bucks and up against the Panthers. Again, I feel like the Ravens have a kind of middle-of-the-road defense. When everyone's healthy, I think the Ravens actually have a pretty solid defense, but 
as this season has went along, the Ravens' defense has definitely been banged up. The Lions' offense deserves a lot of credit, and I think you could even argue that at the end of the year, Jared Goff, if he keeps this up, right, he keeps looking this good, and if the Lions keep winning these games... There is a chance that he could win MVP. Now, do I think ultimately that they will vote Jared Goff to be the MVP? No, I don't think that they will. But I think when you look at the end of the year, he might be a top five, top three MVP favorite. I think he has played that good. I think Ben Johnson is that good of an offensive coordinator. And I think Dan Campbell is that good of a head coach, even though he looks like a goddamn juice head. Jared Goff should be just fine here. This isn't the best matchup for him. And it's not the worst. I think quarterback 10 feels incredibly fair for Jared Goff, especially based upon how good he has been this season. At number 11, we have Matthew Stafford going up against the Steelers. At home in LA, something to note, Sean McVay's wife could potentially go into labor on Sunday. And that means that we will see... Did I say Jared Goff or Sean McVay? I don't know why the fuck I thought Sean McVay. I don't know why I thought I said Jared Goff. I probably said Sean McVay. But Sean McVay's wife is potentially going to go into labor. And that will mean that Sean McVay will not be the head coach on Sunday. Something to monitor. Don't think it'll really matter too much. But it should impact Matthew Stafford if that does happen. I would move Matthew Stafford down the rankings. Just ever so slightly, I'd put Sam Howell above him. This matchup is pretty eh against the Steelers. The Steelers are coming out the bye, and I think the defense is going to look a little bit stronger coming out the bye week. But Matthew Stafford has continued to look much better with Cooper Cup back. He's got Cooper Cup, Puka Nakua, and even without the running backs, you know, because everyone's fucking hurt in the running back room, even if Darrell Henderson ends up being the lead back, I still think Matthew Stafford should be able to get it done as a top 12 option. At number 12, we got Sam Howell of the Washington Commanders going up against the New York football giants in MetLife. He has been a top 14 quarterback every single game except for that game where he looked like absolute dog shit against the Bills. Zero tugs, four interceptions. Last week, three touchdowns, zero interceptions, quarterback seven. Now, something that scares me is that I feel like this is going to be a low-scoring game. But that's kind of the devil on the shoulder Tell me that. What the angel is saying is, Nick, it might be low-scoring, but... But, but, I, 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 I think Howell's going to still have a good game because the Commanders are going to be the team doing all the scoring. And that's what I lean closer with, that maybe the Giants won't be able to get it up. Maybe they'll need a Viagra in this one, but I still think Sam Howell will end up on top. Moving now to the C tier, we're starting to feel like, okay, we might be in a pickle having to start these guys, but we don't necessarily want to start these guys. Russell Wilson, Mr. Unlimited, going up against the Green Bay Packers, quarterback 23 last week against the Chiefs. I'll give Russ some credit. He hasn't been as bad as last season. Now, does he look like the old Russell Wilson that was in a Seattle Seahawks uniform? Fuck no, baby. But he doesn't look like a complete and utter unmitigated disaster every single week. The matchup pretty mid against the Packers. I think Russ will be just okay enough to end up as like a top 18 guy. But it wouldn't surprise me if he was like the quarterback 20, even with all the teams on by. Because again, I don't really think you, while I've talked about how Russell Wilson has looked better, it doesn't feel like you still really feel like, oh, great, I got, I get to play Russell Wilson this week. It's like, ah. 
Shit, Russell Wilson is my starting quarterback. At number 14, we got Deshaun Watson of the Cleveland Browns going up against the Indianapolis Colts in Indianapolis. I believe Watson will play. Shoulder listed as questionable. Watson was able to practice on Friday, make it the second straight day. He was on the practice field. It appears he will make the start in his first game since week three. Now, on paper, this is a wet dream matchup for the Cleveland Browns offense going up against the Indianapolis Colts. Watson, very topsy-turvy this season. Week one, comes out on fire. Quarterback five. Then week two against the Steelers, crumbles like a fucking Jenga tower. Quarterback 27. And then bounces back against the Titans, quarterback 10. Now, we haven't seen him in week four. They were on bye week five, and he was not there week six against the 49ers in a game that the Browns won. So Deshaun Watson might be a little bit rusty, which somewhat concerns me. But the matchup should be good enough for him to succeed. At number 15, we got Kirk Thuggins, Kirk O'Chains, going up against the 49ers. This matchup reeks to high heaven. This matchup reeks of Kirk Cousins being terrible, especially since it's a night game. Now I'll give Kirk some some credit, right? In that night game against the Eagles, he came to play in Week 2, quarterback 2. But that Eagles defense... Hail in comparison to the 49ers. The 49ers have one of the best defenses in the NFL. So without Justin Jefferson, I think we're kind of throwing Kirk out there to the Wolves. If there was not six teams on by this week, there is no way in hell Kirk Cousins would be ranked this high. At number 16, we got Baker Mayfield going up against the Hotland of Falcons at home in Tampa. Now, I know Baker Mayfield shit the bed in a big way last week against the Lions. One interception, no touchdowns, just eight fantasy points. Laughably bad. But... The Atlanta defense, definitely not as good as the Lions defense. This feels like a game where Baker kind of gets back. Now, he's not going to be fully back. Fucking top eight quarterback on the week. But I think quarterback 16 for Baker feels fair. Moving now to the D tier, we got Josh Dobbs and Desmond Ritter. Again, it's starting to feel even grosser. Your stomach starts a rumbling when you see... Josh Dobbs potentially entering your lineup. Quarterback 19 last week, 22 the week prior. He's been in a bit of a downward spiral, but he still doesn't look bad. Hopefully Kyler comes back soon, but the matchup against Seattle is good enough to kind of be the reasoning as to why I have him ranked ahead of Ritter. At number 18, Desmond Ritter. Now Ritter is on fire. Quarterback five and six in back-to-back weeks. I'll give him his flowers where they are due. Now last week, despite the fact that I don't think he passed the eye test, right? He didn't pass the eye test. He passed the stat sheet test, right? He threw three picks like a fucking buffoon. But he threw two touchdowns over 300 yards. So he still ends up with a decent, not even a decent day, a good day, right? He has a good day for fantasy, even though when if you actually threw the game on against the commanders, you're like, wow, Ritter, Ritter's the reason why they lost. To me, this reeks of a Linsanity run, a Jeremy Lin run, right? Has two great games and then comes spiraling back down to earth up against a stronger Buccaneers defense. Now moving to the quarterbacks where it's like, if you have to start these guys, you're pretty much fucked. Quarterbacks 19 through 24, Kenny Pickett, small hands Pickett going up against the Rams in LA. I hope coming out the bye that with Deontay Johnson back, Matt Canada figures things out and this offense looks better. But Matt Canada is an an idiot, so I don't trust that. At number 20, Gardner Minshew going up against the Cleveland Browns at home in Indy. Terrible matchup. Minshew hasn't looked great this season. But I trust Minshew more than I trust the other guys. Quarterback, 21 and 22, Tyrod and Danny Dimes. I think Tyrod starts, but there is still some, you know, birdies chirping. Maybe Daniel Jones plays. 
Either way, even in a great matchup like Tony the Tiger, I don't like either of them. At number 23, Brian Hoyer. Seems like the rumor mill is talking about how AOC, Aiden O'Connell, will be riding the pine, and we will end up seeing Brian Hoyer start again. That doesn't make any sense. But that's what I'm hearing. Again, we'll see on Sunday. I hope they played in O'Connell because that's just more fun. And number 24, we got Tyson Baguette. Tyson Bagnett, who I believe his family are professional arm wrestlers. I think that's what I heard. Maybe I'm just wrong. Nick, that's not true at all. I don't know. Fucking site. Go, go check it, right? I might read that on Wikipedia. Wikipedia is not always true. Tyson Bagnett going up against the Raiders. There's no way any any of these guys should even be on the rankings if there was just, you know, more teams playing. Before we get into the tight end section of the video, I would like to give you guys a quick word from our friends and our sponsor over at Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy is the best place to play NFL Pick'em in the whole entire universe. And Underdog has a great offer for you guys today that we're going to be talking about in just a couple of seconds. First, I'm going to explain how the Underdog Pick'em works. So you're going to be able to select at least one player from each team. So you can't just do Jared Goff higher than 246.5 passing yards and match it with Amon Ross St. Brown higher than six receptions. You need to do at least one one player from two different teams. Sort of go with Sam Laporta, higher than four receptions. I think he's going to have a big game here up against the Baltimore Ravens, and he is a large part of this offense. We're going to close this game down and then go to the Cleveland Browns at the Indianapolis Colts. We're going to go with Zach Moss, higher than 35 and a half yards, regardless of the fact that I think Jonathan Taylor should start to see more touches. Zach Moss has been feasting that even if he gets like eight touches in this game, it should be zero surprise to anyone if he gets higher than 35 and a half yards. So, if both of these picks hit, we'll get paid out three times our entry fee. If you do three picks, it's six times, four picks is 10 times, and five picks is 20 times your entry fee. If you are new to Underdog Fantasy and live in one of these states on your screen right now, and you use promo code Notorious or click on the link in the video description, you'll get a first match deposit bonus of up to $100. So if you deposit $100, they'll give you an additional $100, $50, additional $50, $25, and additional $25, and the minimum deposit on Underdog Fantasy is $10. If you have a gambling problem, please make sure that you call 1-800-GAMBLER. Back on into things, moving to the S tier at the tight end position, Travis Kelsey, Mr. Swift at number one, going up against the Chargers. Travis Kelsey's going to be ranked anywhere from tight end one through three every single week. Even if he's on bye, I'd probably still play him. He's that fucking good. He has been a top eight tight end every single week. You obviously know you got to start him. Again, great matchup against the Chargers. At number two, Marky Mark Andrews going up against the Detroit Lions. Definitely scares me that he's going up against the Lions, but again, he appears to be one of two guys on the Ravens that can actually catch him and Zay Flowers. This is a top two, top three tight end in the NFL in terms of skill set. Tight end five on the season, despite missing week one. Again, there is no argument you can make. I don't give a fuck if Mark Andrews is playing up against the Lions, or he's playing up against the 85 Bears. I'm going to have him ranked highly every single week. Moving now to the A tier, all guys that you also have to start, beginning with TJ Hawkinson of the Minnesota Vikings going up against the 49ers. In most weeks, Hawkinson is up in that same tier with Kelsey and Andrews. The problem is this week he gets the 49ers in a primetime game where it feels like we're going to be seeing a huge choke job from Kirk Cousins. Ultimately, though, even in a tougher matchup, even in prime time, Hawkinson will see probably 8 to 10 targets in this game, especially without Justin Jefferson. That should be good enough 
to be a top five, six tight end. He only has two touchdowns on the year. Feels like that's bound to change. Maybe not this week, but it does feel like it's bound to change in the future. And number four, we got Sam Laporta of the Lions going up against the Baltimore Ravens in Baltimore. Seems like Laporta will play on Sunday with that calf injury. Definitely impacted him last week as he was the tight end 17, but he still saw 11 targets in that spot. This is a pretty decent matchup for Laporta, and he feels like he's almost... Not ready to fucking crown him or give him the gawk 9,000 here, but he seems like he's really close to that range of Andrews and Kelsey in terms of consistency every single week. At number five, we got George Kittle, me Timbers, going up against the Minnesota Vikings in Minnesota. We talk about this every single week, but George Kittle is the most boom or bust tight end in fantasy football. The highs are the Empire State Building. The highs go out of this world and directly to the moon, right? The highs are the highest of highs for Kittle. 25, 30, 35 points where he just fucking smacks your defender out of the park, right? No looker, fucking points with the baseball bat, hits that thing out the yard like Babe Ruth, right? But then there's the bad. And it's it's like the good, the bad, and the ugly. Sometimes it gets real ugly, right? One point last week against the Browns. Two points, right? Those are definitely possibilities for Kittle. But you know the upside's there, right? Debo could miss. McCaffrey could miss. And that should lead to a huge Kittle game. Now, I actually don't have any stats to back this up, but it feels like Kittle's always performing in prime time. At number six, we got Dallas Goddard of the Philadelphia Eagles going up against the Dolphins. Goddard is going to be good to go, was kind of on the injury list, and now he is supposed to play. Tight end 15 last week, back-to-back games with eight or more targets. He is the starting tight end on one of the best offenses in the NFL, going up against a defense that kind of sucks, in my opinion, as a Dolphins fan. Jalen Ramsey's coming back very, very shortly, though, and that's going to be great for me. But uh, right now, Goddard, not like fucking Ramsey would be on Goddard, but I hope you get the point. You're starting him every week, even despite his kind of slow, sluggish start to the season. Moving down to the B tier again, all guys, you're you're starting, but it, the comfortableness, right? You go from sitting... Laying in like a fucking, um, like sleeping on a million thread count pillow to sleeping on a goddamn wood plank from Ed, Ed, and Eddie, right? Tight end 14 last week. Darren Waller is incredible. This guy is an amazing player, one of the best tight ends in the NFL, but he is handicapped. He is held down by the quarterback situation, by the fact that the offense is completely limp dick. Commander's matchup is amazing. I'm salivating just thinking about it, but the quarterback is why he isn't ranked higher. Number eight, we got Logan Thomas going up against the Giants in New York. Tight end 50 last week, but that's kind of really out of the ordinary at this point. We've seen him get above 10 targets once this season, above eight targets twice. He's been a top 12 tight end three times out of the five games he's played. I get sometimes he'll have lower performances, but I'm not really panicking off of that because the tight end position is very fragile. Right, It fluctuates from week to week. And when you have that upside that Logan Thomas very evidently has, you're not ranking him lower. At number nine, we got Kyle Pitts. Now, Kyle Pitts has had back-to-back top eight games. The Bucs matchup scares me, but we did just see the Detroit Lions do him a bit dirty last week. I'm starting to believe again in Kyle Pitts. But again, these are all guys that's a little bit scary because for Kyle Pitts, it's like, He's done it twice in a row. Can he do it again, right? Ritter was sparking up like his name was Snoop Dogg over the last two games. 
Is that going to happen again? I'm not sure. Moving now to the C tier, tight ends 10 through 12. We talked about this in the tight end start sit video. If you enjoyed this far, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. But Luke Musgrave is a nerd's guy, right? If you look at all of these advanced analytics, it's like Luke Musgrave's popping off on all of them. But when are these advanced analytics going to turn into some fucking fantasy points? That's what we're waiting for. Tight end 15 last time out against the Raiders. This week he gets a terrible Broncos defense. This feels like the week where it finally comes to fruition. At number 11, we got Janu Smith of the Atlanta Falcons going up against the Bucks in Tampa Bay. Top 18 tight end in five straight games. A top 12 tight end in three straight games. Not the best matchup against the Bucks. But if I'm being honest with you, while I like Pitts more because I think Pitts is a significantly better player than Janu Smith, Janu Smith has been safe all season. He's been like wrapping a latex around your squad. Whereas Kyle Pitts has been up, down, in, and out. He's been everywhere. So if I had both, I'd start Pitts because of the upside. But Janu Smith feels significantly safer. At number 12, we got Cole Komet going up against the Raiders. Losing Justin Fields is going to be a significant blow to Cole Komet, right? It's one of those that's going to hurt. It's like getting hit from a fucking shot by a musket back in the day, right? Now, he may be able to recover from sheer volume, from getting five, eight targets potentially here against a bad... Not, I wouldn't say bad Raiders defense because they look better. A below middle tier defense. But the glaring issue is that Justin Fields is not there. Moving now to the D tier. Now things are starting to get even grosser, right? After this tier is where it's like, if you have to start one of these tight ends, you got to just fucking say a prayer to the fantasy gods above. Just hoping, praying that something goes your way. Ertz against the Seahawks. Tight end 13. Seems like the team has made a big effort to get Trey McBride more involved in this offense, and that's hurt Zach Ertz. He still looks really good, though, out there, and maybe because this matchup's good, Dobbs starts lighting it up, and that helps out Ertz, but again, I am concerned. At number 14, we got Gerald Everett, who had a great game against the Chiefs last, or not against the Chiefs, against the Dallas Cowboys. Now he gets the Chiefs. Now, the biggest problem with Gerald Everett is not Justin Herbert. It's not anything besides Donald Parham, who just magically, in the end zone, you're like, touchdown to the tight end. You're like, yes! You're fucking jumping around, you kiss your wife, and then it says Donald Parham. You're like, fuck! You smash the TV. Happened more times than I could even describe. Happens all the time. Now, without Mike Williams, the upside of Everett is much higher, but there is still competition for him at the tight end position. At number 15, we got Higby going up against the Steelers. Higby is one more down game. He's been the tight end 29 in back-to-back weeks. One more shitty performance away from getting cut, sliced, fruit ninja style from my roster. Because with Cooper Cup back, Tyler Higby has been getting a huge reduction in targets. So do I hope Higby gets more involved? Yes, but am I sure he will be? No. At number 16, we got Ninjoku going up against the Colts in Indianapolis. Back-to-back solid games for Ninjoku. Going back to Watson might be the death's kiss for David Ninjoku, though, because when Watson was playing, Ninjoku never cracked the top 20. But when or not when Ninjoku, when Watson was was not playing, Ninjoku was not a top 20 or was a top 20 tight end. But when Watson's in, he hasn't been. So we'll see. Let's hope he gets involved. And number 17, Michael Mayer of the Raiders going up against the Bears in Chicago. 
it, over the last two weeks, we've finally seen an awakening for Michael Mayer. It was like he saw zero usage through the first four games, and then they were like, okay, we drafted this guy for a reason. Let's make a effort in getting him the rock. This is a guy that a lot of draft experts were given the Gawk Gawk 9000 to. A lot of people liked him coming out of college. Lands in a pretty good spot to be the tight end one with Darren Waller gone, but wasn't getting any involvement, but recently he has. Quarterbacks enough to scare me away, but... Once Jimmy Goodop below, Jimmy Goodop, Jimmy G spots back. We got to move Michael Mayer back up. Now moving to the E tier, beginning with Hunter Henry, who is currently questionable right now for his matchup against the Bills. Ankle listed as questionable. And people are saying there's a real chance that he's unavailable. Now, if he is unavailable, then I guess we'd have to rank Gasicki higher. But even as a Dolphins fan, I don't like Gasicki that much. Mainly because I don't like the Pats offense. The Patriots offense is putrid. Now, Hunter Henry was on fire to start off the season. Tight end 1 and 2. And then after that, it's all been downhill. Like Humpty Dumpty falling off that wall. Good matchup against the Bills. But he's being held down by Mac Jones. Number 19, Kate Otten. Talk about this every week. If Otten was on a different team, we'd be loving him. We'd be slurping him up. Pause, right? We'd be talking all about him. Singing his praises. But because he's on the Bucks and there's so many other options to throw the ball to, he's put into this range. Now, he does have top five upside because he's that good. But is he ever going to really get the eight to ten targets to make that come to fruition? Probably not. And number 20, we got Dalton Kincaid. This guy is yet to be a top 12 tight end. Got a lot of praise coming out of college, uh, coming into the NFL draft. Once he got drafted, I was someone that was a lot more cautious with Kincaid because they have Dawson Knox. And my thoughts... We're true. Dawson Knox and him are kind of parasitic to each other's upside. If one of them was to get hurt, knock on wood, we don't root for injuries, then the other one would end up probably being a must-start weekly because of the tight end one on an explosive offense. But with them there, simultaneously, it makes it hard to like either of them. Tight ends 21 through 24. Dawson Knox, number 21. Dawson Knox one time, if you are with me, going up against the Patriots. He's yet to score this season. In the last four weeks, he scored in week two against the Raiders. Again, six targets in back-to-back -back games, but with Kincaid being there, it's hard for him to reach that upside. Number 22, Trey McBride. Now, Trey McBride has definitely started to see more involvement, like I've said. Tight end 12 last week, tight end 33 the week prior, but seeing two of his highest target games on the season over the last two weeks. If they make the switch from Ertz to McBride, and McBride's playing way more snaps, that would have moved McBride way up the rankings. But right now... Still seems like you'd rather have Ertz. At number 23, we got Noah Fant. I love Noah Fant. I love the skill set. I love the player. I love the situation, kind of. The problem with the situation here is not a drug addiction like Mike the situation. The problem is that they use three tight ends. They use Fant, Disley, and Parkinson. And that's basically all I got to say. Titan 24, Donald Parham, who's bound. He scored three touchdowns this season in six games or five games. He's going to score another one. It's just you're never going to know when it's going to be. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if he scored like five touchdowns this week. I'm not even kidding. I'm being 100% serious. He, he could score not five touchdowns, right? But he, he could score three touchdowns this week, and it, it wouldn't shock me at all. He could also get zero points, right? He's, he's basically like George Kittle, except for you didn't have to draft him in the fifth round. So thank you guys all so much for watching. If you did end up enjoying, hit that subscribe button down below. Hit that like button. It helps me out a ton. If you want to follow me on Twitter or X, please do so at NotoriousFNTSY. If you want to check out my weekly rankings as well as getting an answer to any of the questions you guys might have, check out the Patreon link in the video description for $7.50 a month. I love you guys all so much. Hope you have a great day. And as always, good boy!